0: Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. I hope that wherever you are, you've had some time to enjoy your RC stuff. And I thank you for tuning in once again to RC stuff powered by Hobbywing. As always, I am Charlie Silenka here with Mr. Mike Chen. Mr. Chen. Good day, sir. How are you? Good day, sir. I am well. Excellent. I heard uh, I heard your your canopy suffered a, an injury recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, we kind of we, we were having a regional Streetly Grace And uh, we got through about three points rounds. And, uh, you know, you could feel the temperature drop. Clouds kind of rolled in real quick. And then uh, we got hit with a squall. If you guys, uh, if anybody listens, check out uh, last Sunday in uh, Colorado. There was just some epic, epic storms everywhere. Caused a ton of flooding. A lot of very high winds that just came out of nowhere. and. yeah, the people, the couple guys next to me, their tents were tethered to my tent. Theirs were tethered together and tethered to mine. So when theirs blew away, it kind of started just pulling and tugging and ripping things out. And I was like, uh-oh.
0: There's a huge canopy tent, kite. <laughs> yes. I've seen that happen many times at RC races where canopies go 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 sailing away, so... Good times. Well, thank- I mean, sometimes tying them down doesn't even help. They'll, they'll pull the stakes right out of the ground and kind of, like, release, so to speak. So it's almost worse. Yep. Well,
1: I'm going to start uh, double staking now. I'm going to stake and tether at the same time from now on.
0: I'm, gonna, at least I'm have one of to... those guys who always, like, like straps the tables and everything to it. So if we do get a big one, everything dumps on the ground, and you get a warning to, like, grab the canopy real quick. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's good or bad, but that's, that's my move. Dude, I took I my I, I
1: literally took my radio after after this whole thing was over and turned it on its side and just water was just pouring oh. out of it.
0: Oh,
1: all my gear was soaked. Oh. Yep.
0: Good times.
1: Yep. Everything still works though. Let let everything dry out. Didn't disconnected all the power. Let everything dry out and everything still works. So, okay. we'll see for how long.
0: I feel like modern-day electronics are almost all slightly conformal coated when you look at them. There's like some water resistance built in, but you're right. If you cut power, usually, that'll save the damage. Usually. Usually. So I got a list of things we're going to talk about today. I got West Coast Throwdown. We're going to talk about some LiPo stuff because... I think it's good to always discuss lipo things. There was um, one that came up the other day in my Instagram or by my my social media feeds about Dawn soap that I had never heard about. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I got to experience not my first, but my second uh, field fire in a dry grass field. So I want to share some of my experience about that. I think the more you know, the more you can help in those situations. And I've been through a couple of them now. And uh, our ambassador program that uh, Mike and I introduced last episode, and we want to talk a little bit more about that because the entries have been rolling in, and we really want to, you know, touch on that. So, as well as the real reason that you've all tuned in to find out how to enter to win for free RC stuff and who this month's winner is, how do they enter to win? Send an email to Avi uh,
1: yeah. RC stuff at avwing dot com, and uh, make sure you type out your email address. Your shirt size, your dress, what kind of RC stuff you're into, and uh, or RC stuff that you want to get into. Right, we like forget that, that one. one. And uh, cross your fingers and listen to the episodes.
0: Right. It it, it never hurts to you know to tell us a story about your RC. I like reading them. That's all. And then if you have any questions for the show, that's a good one too. We we're happy to discuss topics you need to hear about. We go through a lot of that stuff. You know, over the years, and if you want to backlog some episodes, if you're on a flight or a road trip, lots of good information in the previous episodes. So uh, do a bender on RC stuff, and you'll, you'll learn something. I promise. I promise. Um, but that takes us to, I think, uh, West Coast Throwdown. I was recently at West Coast Throwdown. It is a camping drone event and if you don't like camping there's plenty of nice hotels you know 10 15 minutes away type of deal so don't don't worry and they have freestyle competitions they have uh sport and pro class racing they had street league racing which i thought was very awesome they do a river float uh, which actually hobby wing sponsored this year we were able to buy everybody a bunch of extra floats they had all sorts of goofy things for everybody to float down the river on and um there was even some uh, fire fighting that we got to do. So I have it written down as racing, freestyle, camping, river floating, firefighting, firefighting, and a waterfall dive, too. Because Derek takes a group of pilots out on the Sunday after the event's over. Or is it Monday? It's Monday after the event's over. And there's a waterfall not far from the location, maybe 30, 40 minutes. And you can hike up the little path. It's maybe a 30-minute hike. 45 minute hike it's not that bad it's like a trail and you get to go fly the super awesome waterfall and get right down in it they were getting behind the waterfall getting right up into the the down with it like chasing the splashes down and Derek got clipped and taken out and crashed down into the rocks below because it doesn't end in like a pool it ends down on some rocks so you can have some pretty severe damage but uh, luckily everything came back in one piece it was I, I got Cell phone vlog style footage of it that'll all be on the Charlie Show in a couple of weeks. So, looking forward to sharing all that. But I was able to judge the freestyle competition as well and help with the announcing. And I haven't flown freestyle in a while myself, or even much at all, if I'm quite honest. But never mind the fact that I never knew the names of tricks like skateboards or anything like that. So to to, to try to come up with the, the names and the moves that the guys were flying through the trees and. It, it was it was quite entertaining for me. I, I did shoot some footage of that, where you know some play by play, and we got the ride along. They had a monitor set up for some of the pilots, or some depending on what technology they ran. Like freestyle is a very hard thing to manage for the judges because either you have to have ride along goggles of the same tech, or their goggles have to be able to plug into a monitor and whatever supporting items to make it play on the monitor, and the monitor having the same refresh rates and power on sequence of how you have to plug in the copter and cycle the power on the goggles and whatever oh it was a nightmare just to say the least but once they got it all figured out it ran pretty smoothly so um i i got to watch like i don't know 35 ish or so freestyle pilots and then 10 final runs too and judge all those and write down scores It it was a very good time i had a blast and um, these dudes sent it. They have a right next to the where the freestyle zone is. There's a river and you can fly out over the water. There's some power lines out over the water that are real hard to find, even with HD. So tons of cool, exciting stuff there. And a tech, a A-TALK, I think it's a He ended up beating Vanover in the pro class by just a couple points. His, uh, I mean, I watched both of them. I was the judge for the pro class and his was just Somehow, slightly more uh, exciting. I think that Vanover. Maybe I'm biased. I I I like. I'm a big fan of Vanover's fly style, but Atax was just more exciting to me. So, um, and then there was a a, a field fire. Somebody crashed. I think a battery came out and caught the field on fire, and they almost had it under control. And the wind shifted, and there was like kind of a panic that that went out because it got out of hand pretty quick. The fields were all pretty dry and there was one section where the grass was a little taller. And once that caught, they couldn't get behind it anymore. I don't know if you, I've, I've, I've been involved in a couple of these field fires now. And once it gets hot enough that you can't get close enough to do anything, it's kind of out of your hands. You, You can at best get ahead of it and cut a fire line in the dirt, like dig up the grass if you have hand tools or in all that. Or even if there's lots of water around, wet that section above the fire. Don't try to put the fire out. Just try to stop it from spreading type of deal unfortunately a lot of people you you panic when all this starts to happen and people start running around doing whatever they can they had like a bucket line of folks running down to the the river to get water and bring it back up and try to get it going but running uphill and as hot as it was and as you know hot outside not only but like once you got next to the fire there was just i mean there was probably 30 people at least all hands on deck trying to make something happen they ran and got shovels Word got out. I wasn't over there when it happened. We were all the way on the other side of the campground, which is in a golf cart. It takes a few minutes to get over there, maybe four or five minutes type of deal. And there were a couple of dudes on Churons riding around the electric motorcycles, just grabbing whatever. Who had fire extinguishers? They, they did like a hot lap through the campground. Dude was riding back with like three of them in his lap. And we, I jumped in a golf cart that had a fire extinguisher on it. And our, we were just going to go over there and try to help what we could do. We didn't realize that it had already kind of gotten out of hand. So at that stage, by the time I got there with this little fire extinguisher, we put out like a little 20-foot section on the perimeter that was away from where it was growing. It was slowly creeping back down the hill, but it was moving up the hill with the wind. And people were up there going ham, trying to get after it, but it was just too late. And word got out that This has been I don't even know how many minutes, five or 10 minutes at the most, probably. And the fire department was on the way and the ranger popped up like a minute later. And he says that the helicopter was en route and which is great because helicopters can dump water on whatever needs to happen. So they got everybody off the hill. Fire department showed up and they a bunch of the people ran up to help the fire department with the cut line cuz there's a road that was above all of this that they could get to and run like a cut line so that if the fire did get any higher it it wouldn't, you know, get much worse. They rolled in with the helicopter. It did probably 10 dumps, maybe more. I got some cool footage of that. And they were it was right out of the river that we were next to, so the dumps happened every probably minute to 90 seconds it felt like they were coming pretty quick so they got it under control within i don't know 20 30 minutes It felt like it was it was relatively quick and then the fire trucks came through from the bottom side where we were sitting kind of watching and they had water on board and uh, put out all the spot fires all that stuff they came through with a dozer cut a big cut line around the whole fire perimeter and then they laid hose all along that with a bunch of spigots and more hoses and they stood around and kind of soaked down the field and made sure that it wouldn't spring up anymore. And they put a a temporary water holding tank at the top of the hill with a bunch of hoses on it. So if anything did spring up, there was a bunch of water kind of at the ready on site. So pretty, pretty intense situation to be involved in um, or around at all. Like it got to the point that the fire was catching trees on fire. It was running up the hill, hit a little bush line. The bushes went up and it was big. And then I barely minute or two later, once people were coming off the hill because they saw that it was going towards the trees, these trees lit up like whoosh, you could you know, hear it, almost feel it where we were at way down the hill. And then uh, it wasn't but a few minutes after that everybody was like running back to camp or not everybody but a lot of people were loading up campers throwing their tents away getting in their cars and leaving the campground which has like a one-lane road coming out so there was like a traffic jam on the way out for the the fire trucks to get in which was kind of a bummer one dude lost a trailer on the way out kind of probably forgot to put a pin in or something when he was hooking up and was on his way out of the campground and trailer fell off this was out on the road apparently but just a lot of panic ensued. I got up to the the upper campground after kind of everything had settled down, and the the campground was empty, like a bunch of people had left. But an hour or so later, people started trickling back in. But it wasn't the same. Like Everybody didn't come back. Some people kind of left and stayed left type of deal. So that was kind of a bummer, kind of changed the vibe a little bit. But they still managed to they, – they had a DJ come in, DJ Meow Mix, and they actually turned the Hobby Wing – booth into the DJ booth with lights and sound and all. It was, it was a good time. I got some footage of that to put on the Charlie show also. So, but super intense experience. And I think learned a lot from watching people react to the fire and what they were doing. And some of it is because you can't get above the fire fast enough, but you're ever involved with these situations and you see it spreading you want to try to get above it and cut some sort of a line so that it can't spread so easily or at least slows down. That'd be my big pro tip. And then when you do get on it with a shovel, it's a shoveling move, it's not a padding move. There was a lot of people slapping the fire with a shovel and it kind of spread it towards their feet. And they're like, oh, it's coming at me. I'm like, yeah. So work together, two people doing the same thing at the same time, one patch, one one shovels type of deal. Or if someone has a fire extinguisher, you put the fire extinguisher at the base of the fire, not at the top of it. you got to get as close as you possibly can to the fire with the extinguisher for it to do any good. We, 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 we wasted a lot of fire extinguishers, team, and that was a shame because I think that some of those being executed uh, better you know, different maybe would have been a thing. And the same thing with the water. If you can get above the fire with the water instead of on it, you know, you stop it from spreading more. It's easier to do that than it is to put it out is is what I take away from all of this. So um, that that was my that that's my double. I did West Coast Throwdown and a little bit of, of fire or fire safety 101. So um, when Mike and I were talking about this, it's uh, it's one of those things where. As a recreational hobbyist, whatever you do, have a little fire extinguisher with you. It can do a lot to put stuff out real quick. On race day, they had a little tiny fire pop up. Dude grabbed a fire extinguisher, ran over, like, real quick problem solved everything was over just like that because the fire extinguisher is close at hand so if you're out on trail even scaling or at the track a little tiny one of those little pocket fire extinguishers in your kit will do wonders a lot of people have in their cars anyway it's far away keep it in your flight gear i know that from now on the hobby wing booth will have two fire extinguishers at all times so in case somebody needs to find one they know where to find one right away at least so um, it was an eye-opening experience i know we have a lot of fun doing this stuff and i hate being too serious but i mean it was uh I think it's good stuff for everybody to to learn from other people's experiences. And I always like to talk about that sort of thing. So, but that takes us to lipo safety. Mike and I were talking about safeties in general and something that we can't have enough of is lipo safety. And I think Mike brings a good point that some of us don't even know that our packs are going bad and maybe we shouldn't use them. So Mike's got some stuff for me on uh, how to check packs and what he does. and something that I'm going to start doing too. So, let, t- tell us about this pack checking situation, Mister Mr. Chen. Well, the first
1: thing I actually want to say is that uh, with your batteries, you should always carry a bottle of Dawn dish soap. There you go. That that's the uh, that that's the number one thing. Is if it if a battery does go up, the the dish soap will actually smother and not let any air get to it, so it won't flame up. It's going to keep bubbling until all the energy's out of it, but it won't flame at that point. At least that's the that's the key to the the dish soap. Um, but if you want to check your packs, a uh, very easy way to, easy way to do it is, uh, to see what your starting voltage is, uh, per cell and then charge it all the way up to full. And then if your charger does give you a ma reading, basically the capacity reading, um, that'll give you a pretty good idea based off of what the battery's labeled at. So let's, for easy math, let's make, let's take a 5,000 ma battery, and if you're fully discharged at about 3.2 volts per cell, and you you were to charge that battery from 3.2 volts per cell up to 4.2, which is fully charged, you should have a reading with about 5,000 mA because
0: right. that's
1: what the battery is rated for. And then if you're at storage voltage up to full, it should be about half of that, so about 2,500. And then basically you can do this with any, any of your packs, look at what the pack is rated for, and then... If you started at storage, just know it's going to be about half of what the the capacity rating is for that pack. That's about it. Um, that'll give you a pretty good idea of uh, the health of the pack and if it's still actually holding any capacity. Because what'll happen as a uh, batteries age, you will start losing some of that capacity. And that's when you really notice uh, voltage sag pretty badly. Because what'll happen is you'll start running it and then all of a sudden you'll hit voltage cutoff and then... You 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 do like oh I hit voltage cutoff and then you check your you go to check your pack on the charger you're like but it's fully charged it's at like four point one volts uh, and what you don't realize is that when the capacity is drained what will happen is that the second you start drawing from it that voltage drops very quickly so that's a uh, that's one way to keep an eye that the, the condition of your battery. And if you start noticing that your, your, your runs start getting shorter on the same batteries under the same conditions, that's usually a pretty good indicator as well, that your, uh, your battery's probably on its way out.
0: These packs will warm up more than they used to. Some of them will they'll get a little puffier maybe than they used to type of thing is a mm-hmm. good indicator that maybe they're it's, it's time to retire that one type of deal. So, um, one of the 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 big things that we run into is storage batteries of how to store them incorrectly and the the more you store your batteries correctly in addition to using them correctly they'll last a little bit longer so i always try to use the storage charge feature of my charger and i run them to cut off and then i put them back on the charger to storage charge when i go to put them away that's my ideal situation because that way they're brought back up to storage charge and it saves time a lot of the chargers they can't really discharge fast so discharging the storage will take forever in the day so you're better off just driving around for flying around for a short amount of time and then putting them back on to get them you know back up to storage so to speak or at least it'll take less time to discharge to storage um the other thing is where you keep them i see a lot of folks you should still keep your batteries safe away from all of your other electronics we uh we travel in our groups. We everybody puts their batteries into the same box, and we put a big pile of batteries away from everything. Because the more batteries you have together, the more likely you are to have a problem, and they all get, you know, loose batteries everywhere. I say that, and I look around my workbench, and I've got like four batteries just sitting here out on my bench. But do as I say, not as I do.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I do. Uh, I will say
1: the. You know the the, the lipo safe bags um, are actually getting relatively inexpensive, and the big the easiest way to check if you have a good lipo safe bag is if you uh, if you zip it completely up when it's uh, when it's like opened up, if you close it up and then you press down on the bag, it should be very hard to press. It should hold kind of some kind of pressure on the inside, right? Because the the goal of the lipo safe bag is to keep air out from the battery so it doesn't flame up.
0: And the, the, the good old-fashioned ammo cans are always great, too. I, I use mostly ammo cans for my LiPo stuff these days just because I got a bunch of them. So. Nice. And then the other one I have down here is uh, I got charging usage and disposal. They all kind of fall under these same kind of umbrellas. And one of the charging things I run into is C-ratings. When we get into a rush, my charger goes up to like 20 amps, and I can charge a pack fast. It's not good for it. So if you want to... If you've got time, 1C charge rate will keep your batteries healthy a lot longer. It's safer. It allows them to stay in balance better as they charge as well. And it allows the balance charge to kind of equalize more easily at the end of the charge. So um, one if you're not in a rush to charge batteries, you're not trying to save time. Sometimes, you know, you, you can't help it. You got you to go a little fast. And the same thing applies to usage. Like we started messing around with our lipo cutoffs on our trucks to get a little bit more runtime out of them. And the lower you run the lipo cutoff, the lower the battery gets, the more it gets used up. So when you charge it, it has to take longer to charge the whole nine yards. You're just cascading this life. You're using more of the battery basically. So, Using a little less lipo cutoff, let's say during practice days or casual RC days when you don't need maximum runtime out of your stuff can kind of help keep the batteries healthier longer. That, that, that's my thing to get more value out of your battery type of deal. So um, that, that's my easy one on that for usage Is Use your lipo cutoff to, to help with that, um, not, not just bring it all the way dead. And disposal is one of my favorites because most of us have a large bin of batteries that are in a different state. If you're going to be that guy, you should have had a very, very bare minimum, have those things in like a grill or a metal container or something like that. And they should be discharged before you put them in there, because the at least when they're discharged, there's less energy to create any of these chemical reactions and stuff like that. Um, and. Mike posted a, a, a picture or a video on his Instagram of his light bulb discharger that he used. And I think we all have these. And we we so many of us have them. We forget to mention other people that are getting into this. You take like an 1157 turn signal bulb and you solder a plug on it. And you can just plug that into a battery and let it run dead. When the light goes out, pretty much the battery is done. And you're not going to get that guy back. And it's safer for disposal. If you want to go the uh, the full Monty route of safe lipo disposal, I, there's lots of that on YouTube, but it comes down to saltwater baths. You're supposed to discharge them and get a very, very salty water solution. You stick it in there, and that what it does, it's supposed to make all the chemicals that are in the battery inert, and then you can then just safely recycle the battery, so to speak. Not like in your regular recycling, but maybe just... I forget what the exact... See? I don't know. I don't ever do it. I take them to a, a battery place that takes lipos, like... A lot of electronic stores will take them. Your local fire department will take them. Um, just don't do huge batches. They freak out if you bring them like 30 batteries at a time. Ask me how I know.
1: <laughs> so another thing to add to that, Charlie, actually, um, the light bulb will um, you can let it fully discharge with the light bulb because uh, usually it's what I do is I actually leave them on. I leave the, the the load on the battery overnight. Yeah. And then what I do from there to make sure that there's no nothing left is I'll check it with the multimeter. Uh, to make sure it's under like two or three volts on total on the total pack, and then uh, I actually will cut the I'll cut the wires and then I actually make a dead and then I twist the wires together for a dead mm-hmm. short. Yeah, and It'll that guarantees all the way down, yeah. that guarantees that there's no charge left in that battery.
0: That's a good move. I you're right. I do leave those light bulbs on there way longer than when the light goes out. I always like forget about them and find them the next day. So
1: yep because I've done it a couple times where like I've I've let it go like pretty much overnight just to see how like uh, how how well these batteries some of the batteries are really good and to the point where like I've left the load on it all night you take the load away I let it sit for another night and check the volts the next day it's back up at like 6 volts for a 6s pack and I was like wow that's impressive die battery die I mean, granted, when you put a load on it, that six volts dissipates real right. quick, but it, it does recover with some voltage sometimes. So that's kind of why I usually let it sit overnight, check the voltage. And then as long as the voltage is relatively low enough, I kind of strip the cut and strip the wires, twist the wires together and to make sure that it's done. Right.
0: Those chemicals, once they get put together, they want to be a battery. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Well, that, that covers our our safe, boring topics. Let's talk about something fun. The, the ambassador Yay. program. We have talked about it the last episode and we've got some entries from it. We thank you very much. I have done a bad job. Mike and I have been dealing with lots of fun things, but not the ambassador program yet. So I got to share the emails with him and then we can discuss this stuff on the next episode because we're going to talk about the ambassador nominations and the efforts that we get more nominations, obviously. And in a few months, we're going to. Come up with a way for everyone to vote for which nominee they want, and then we can go from there and we'll have a new ambassador that's going to be out there doing the same thing they're doing right now, but getting some hobby wing stuff and thanks. And that's kind of what we wanted to discuss briefly here. What this ambassador program is about, you can nominate yourself if you think that you fit the bill, if you have a friend that you know would never try to get sponsored or reach out to companies, they just love the hobby for the sake of loving it, but they love to help people, they're the type of people that are always sharing the hobby with people, maybe they always have an extra car for folks to drive, they're the first one to say, hey, drive this thing, you got to try this out. They're putting their car down to fix someone else's rig, whatever the case may be, stuff like that. You, you, hopefully you get the idea of what we're talking about here. We want to get them involved with Hobbywing a little bit more, give them some Hobbywing gear, give them some stuff to help fix things, spread the hobby love, get people excited about this wonderful world of hobby and RC stuff. And all you have to do is email us their information, tell us the story, a picture or two never hurts, uh, to the RC stuff email address, rcstuff at hobbywing.com. I've got a few. They're pretty good. I can't wait to tell Mike about them because they're uh, these dudes were very excited about their friends. They, they I think, two or th- two or three of them were people nominating other folks, which I think is the the whole idea here. So that's great. Yes, and it like is. I said, if you think you are the perfect candidate for this and no one appreciates you, nominate yourself. Well, we we, we appreciate you.
1: Everybody appreciates the guy that had that uh, keeps the fun going. Yeah.
0: How I got my job, <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to another fun segment. This week's winner, ooh, uh, from Salem, Oregon. An entry from two thousand and twenty-two. Back when Jordan used to be the co-host. Mr. Stephen Floyd, congratulations, sir. He's a new 10-scale stadium truck racing, A-scale truggies for bashing. Anyone mind getting us some drone stuff? Awesome. Well, that's great to hear, sir. We will be in touch. Stay tuned to your email. You didn't type it in, but luckily I remembered, and I, I copied and pasted it. So it, it worked out just fine. So congratulations, Stephen. We'll be in touch soon. If you changed your mind on RC stuff? Let us know. Yeah, maybe you got into more RC stuff by now. That's cool, too. Uh, but I think that brings us to the close. Mike, do you, you got anything else for us today, sir? Uh,
1: just the usual closing. Shames is still fast.
0: Shames is still fast. Well, that's good. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that there hasn't been too many new, um, uh, uh, overly exciting developments like I had. So that's good. Well, folks, as always, thanks for tuning in. Another episode of RC Stuff, powered by Hobbywing. We will see you all next time.
1: Remember to tie your tents down.
0: Bye.